We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with Scissor and Sean Nash and Ass Boy Alex Gibson. What's up, guys? Finally, Ooh. nicknames that actually reflect us. That's perfect. Perfect for summertime. All righty. Well, we are just coming off uh, Wrestling Elitist Sleepover at my house a couple days ago where we just watched Double or Nothing. So we're going to be talking about the show today in full. Um, if you want to follow our show, please subscribe at iTunes or Spotify or wherever you stream your podcasts. And you can also follow us on our multimedia platform at uh, Wrestling Elitist Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And then, of course, you can visit our website at WrestlingElitist.com. Last week, we posted a retro uh, look back at Double or Nothing 2021. And, of course, this year we'll have uh, more in-depth analysis of Double or Nothing 2022. But for this episode, Sean, let's give everyone an update on what the format is. This week, we're going to give you the biggest news that happened over the weekend. Then we're going to hit our match of the week, moments of the pay-per-views, we have one more news item to go, a cringeworthy streaming issue, and what we're leaving off with, what we're looking forward to. Awesome. So let's jump into the big news of the week, and it definitely cast a pal over everything that uh, we thought of when we thought of Double or Nothing, which is MJF's contract status, future with uh, AEW, and just is it a work? Is it a shoot? What the fuck is it, Alex? Give us an idea of what your thoughts are on this uh, story-ish. Yeah, up until this week, we had been in lockstep as a group that we weren't going to discuss this because it's yes. two years away from him being even a free agent. And I he's a forever worker, right? So I have taken the stance for most of this time that this was not something that was fully true. Uh, sure, he's probably a little bit frustrated with his contract, knows he could be making more, wants to be making more. However, very much thought that he was playing it up for the cameras, especially with Cody going to WWE, it was just kind of a good, perfect, uh, kind of perfect storm to be playing that card. I think this week kind of opened my eyes to the fact that that's definitely not fully the truth. I think there's definitely a lot more uh, credence to the idea that he actually is really frustrated. But I also think that that, from what I've seen, it sounds like there's just some things that MJF might be going through right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Wade Keller's report, but it sounds like he just hasn't even been comfortable talking about the money stuff. And he's been very uh, upset about everything. So for those who don't know, MJF no showed a meet and greet uh, on Saturday. I believe he was seen at a casino. There were rumors of a airplane or a, a flight that was booked for him to leave before double or nothing was to happen on Sunday. He ended up showing up kind of last minute on Sunday, opened the show with his match versus Wardlow, got stretchered out, immediately left and went back home. I think I think there must be something going on where he's just really kind of struggling with some stuff and and his his frustration is showing. Um from what Wade Keller was saying, first of all, it sounds like that plane was actually never booked. That wasn't an actual thing. Uh the only flights that were booked for him that people somebody knows somebody at JetBlue or something and was able to confirm that there was never a ticket purchased for him that would have been leaving prior to double or nothing. But I do think that there He's. I think he's just frustrated. I think he's seeing guys make a lot of money. How many people have come in since AEW started? Andrade, Malachi Black, uh, CM Punk, obviously, Brian Danielson, and, and many others. And, and Danielson and Punk, obviously, they should be making the money that they're making. Whatever it is, they probably are worth it, right? Um, but 
MJF is seeing a guys like Adam Cole come in who I don't think Adam Cole's been nearly as valuable to AEW since MJF joined and, and some others. So um, I think there's some credence to it. I don't know how much. I think that there's still a chance that they've been working us a little bit. And it sounds like there might be some mended fences after Sunday. So we'll see. But what were your guys' thoughts on everything from that? Um, who, who really knows? I don't know. I've got so invested in it before the show kind of took over my thoughts of the whole show before it even started. And I'm still kind of left off with, I have no clue what's going on. Um, if he is going through something and I'm sure there is something, cause there's always a little tinge of something going on. I hope the best for him mentally. I hope he can kind of figure things out, kind of slow down, maybe take it a little easy on how uh, he messes with the line of reality and kayfabe. So I I just don't know really where to even go with him, but I hope, I hope he gets some closure soon. I'm sure he's going to be off TV for a little bit with losing to Wardlow, getting, getting uh, his AEW contract, but best of luck to him. And I, I'm looking forward to come back and hopefully he gets the money that he wants when he, when he deserves it. Yeah, the problem with if you're always in a a working state, uh, it's hard to know when you're telling the truth and when anything is authentic. And it also makes things fair game that shouldn't be fair game. And maybe he's upset that Tony talked about the fact that they're having friction. Well, if everything's fair game about the contract status and how you feel like you're not getting paid well or you might want to leave... I can understand how Tony could do that and make and, and comment on that. Or I could understand how feelings get hurt um, based on whatever vantage point you have. So uh, who knows what's truly going on? I think um, I'm not the first to say this, but he's basically like an Andy Kaufman in a way where like you never know when he's in character or not in character. Um, and so it's difficult to tell when he's being authentic, if, if ever. Um, but I think up until then, everyone thought of him as a persistently on character um, and he kind of got a different type of heat, a go away heat and well, fuck this guy, the sense of entitlement and Tony shouldn't have to pay him if he's looking to leave. And so that's going to be a different type of heat that he'll have to deal with and probably heat from his peers as well, um, that he might have to, uh, deal with as well. And the fact that like he came off, like he was going to be unprofessional and with everyone out of the loop that could cause some unnecessary friction. I love the fact that he's got a big set of balls and he's going to bet on himself and he's doing an athlete thing. But at the same point, uh, Tony Khan's a, uh, owner of a athletic team, multiple athletic teams. And what happens in these situations is you just sit someone on their ass and you go, okay, fine. And that's not fun. And we hate seeing that in wrestling. I think anyone who's in that state should get dropped or just go to a, you know, another company, get released and you can get a fresh coat of paint. Um, I mean, I, it, I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause like, I get it. If he wants to make more money because he certainly had the greatest programs in the last seven months, eight months, I think that's un- undeniable. And he's been at his peak creatively and the ratings reflect that. I get that as well. Uh, but at the same point, like I can understand from Tony's perspective, if this is truly his perspective of why am I going to give you a pay bump if you're just going to leave? I get it that I would bump your pay to entice you to stay. But at the same point, if you're not willing to sign an extension, I can't justifiably give you that pay raise. So it's a 
it's a bad situation. And if you're working and you're shooting and you're making these side comments, it's going to turn into some silly Brett versus Sean thing or Brett versus Vince before he was going to leave. And it turns into a big clusterfuck that doesn't need to happen. So that's kind of my um, thoughts on, especially with us not having access and knowing truly what's going on. Yeah. When you, when you talk about the, you know, if you're always working, then things can get brought up. It reminds me of like the guy, the guy that's always in like every friend group who thinks it's okay to like joke about everything. But then when you make like even like the slightest joke about them, they get all offended and and then like want to come at you and just be like, well, yeah, well, your, your mom's dead or something like that. Like where it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like you don't need to go that far. Um, and that's, that's kind of like the way that that feels where it's like, MJF, like you've been doing this the whole time. And mm-hmm. so you need to understand what the, what that means. You don't just get to say whatever you want and then nobody else can say what they want. And, and there is that piece of it. And two, it kind of makes it hard at, on the fan side at like first glance to be like, oh, I'm totally on your side here. Like you've kind of just shat in our face anytime we try to say hello, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to say, I think what's turned me because I've been pretty much like pro pay MJF. The guy is worth it. And if you can keep him happy, do it. Like even if you're not getting him to where he wants to be, give him a little bit of a bump maybe. Um, but I also understand the perspective of, okay, well, you got to give me more years and things like that. But the idea that he would mess with Wardlow's kind of big moment this weekend really bothers me. And I, and I think that no, even the fact that he showed up, it still was somewhat tainted now because it, we know what that moment was. I really don't think that that match was supposed to go on first and be what it, I think it was probably supposed to be that squash. Uh, but I don't think it was supposed to be that. I think it would have been made a little bit bigger of a moment later on in the night, but they ended up having to probably change course so that MJF could just show up, do his business, and then leave. And I I think that that, I just feel bad for Wardlow for that because this has been a really good program, and I'm excited to see where Wardlow goes from it, but it's always going to have the stench of, oh, yeah, that was also when MJF was kind of having a little bit of a tantrum. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, too, when you become like the detriment to Wardlow's future stardom, the the whole one-fourth pay-per-view that you have of all year. If you would have just taken all this down by being kind of rebellious to the, the cause and wanting your own deal, that, that doesn't really do you good favors to get you that money. Like I wouldn't want to pay that person who just took down one of my four, one-fourth of my pay-per-views all year just because he was going through a, an event. Yeah, and it's going to freak out Vince possibly too of like he – tells people not to, to you know even though he's tried to pay people to jump shows and stuff but like now in the modern years he's you know had people finish off their dates before they come in and end on a good note that's what you always do hear about him if that's true or not i don't know but that seems like to be the pattern um so that could make concerns of like okay is he going to do this to me later on years down the line um and again it causes unnecessary backlash within the locker room of like oh this guy thinks he's better than everyone and it's not just the gimmick anymore. It's the real guy. Um, you mentioned the the meet and greets. Yeah, it's funny when you hear stories of like him flicking off a seven year old and telling to, him to go suck cock or something like that or fuck off or just whatever some horrible statement that he would do. But it's all done in jest, you think, and you think it's the character. And then if you find out that oh shit, this may be real or this could actually be a side of him or he's saying something that like, hey, I. I am fat and I do have scars on my face. That hurts. <laughs> like it just like that could be like not fun yeah. for people anymore. And they could be unwilling to support him. Um 
the other thing that's hard to reckon reconcile with is like he's been on again such a creative role and his last program with punk was one of the best programs AEW's ever done and one of the best programs in wrestling his promo about his childhood and his past was amazing and brilliant and then even the contract signing in long island he's not going to have that moment in long island ever again that that's not going to happen. He's going to be told to heal it up or that's going to be diminished because we don't celebrate where someone lives and acknowledges that. So for him to be able to think that he'll have the creative freedom that he has now, he's, I would, I have to assume he's going to be sorely mistaken. I get that Cody's getting a good run right now, but how the fuck do you not do that right now with him? They have no one else. Of course, he's going to be like a Hogan in 84 drew Mac and, Drew McIntyre when he came back. I mean, like you're going to have to feature someone when everyone is gone or injured. It only makes sense. So I just don't know that if, um, if he's going to be frustrated about certain things in AEW that he wouldn't face a lot of frustrations in WWE too, especially someone who cares about his craft as much as he does. And someone who is a genius and can write his own shit and perform it perfectly without anyone tinkering with it. You would think he would be very uh, cantankerous in that environment. And I mean, especially when you're talking about the environment there, like it's a PG environment still at the end of the day. Right. With WWE. Yeah. Like that is such a hindrance to him and the way that he interacts. It's he would be such a watered down character just because of that. Even if Vince gave him like the ability to do whatever it is that he wanted, that alone would make him not MJF anymore, which is what makes him special. The fact that he says things that you're like, whoa, you could say that on yeah. TV in 2022. So there's that. And then also just kind of going back when you're talking about what this might do for his perception and does Vince want to at that point really want to work with him, even if he becomes a free agent. It's wild that he chose to do this right as this Sasha Naomi stuff is going on because WWE took such a strong stance against it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you could make the argument. Maybe he was trying to put AEW like almost kind of make see if Tony would do something because, you know, Tony loves to go off on social media at times and and kind of get a little bit, uh, go a little bit off script. And maybe he was trying to kind of play his cards there, see if he could get him to do something. But I I don't know. Um, But it's just weird because WWE literally just went out and made a very strong statement about you do not no show your events, even though they constantly are uh, doing cards subject to change. Yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how this plays out. But I think there's going to be a hell of a lot of fatigue now if this continues for two years. Like, that's just an awful long time. I mean, I thought they would do a couple of things like work shoots here and there and comments and so forth like that uh, as they got closer to when that contract would come up, because that is an organic, I don't know, Montreal and a good way to get buzzed. But at the end of the day, though, like you could get caught with your pants down if he decides to go to WWE and he just wants to give up on making psoriasis jokes. You know, like <laughs> that could be just done and like he doesn't want to do it and you know, whatever. He just cares about the money. So like that could really backfire on Tony. But um, I'll give him props in a way like it's a big balls move. I mean, like it's totally. when when he needs to be there and he needed to be there and needed to be part of this angle to hit it off. Like that is the right time theoretically to go. I'm not happy. I need to talk about it now. Um, it's just not so fun for everyone else okay well let's move along to nothing but fun we'll go into match of the night uh what you guys enjoyed the most out of double or nothing so alex let's start with you despite the finish because i had a significant amount of money 
on Hangman winning. It was uh, CM Punk defeating Adam Hangman Page. Um, I thought that that match really stood up to what I expected it to be. Um, you know, they they told a good story with Hangman and his kind of crisis of conscience and kind of it reminded me, I said it in the moment when we were watching it together, it reminded me of Sami Zayn versus Neville and NXT yeah. um, early on when they, Sami had a very similar moment where he was d- debating if he hits Neville with the title with, um, during a rough bump. So that was cool. I think that the one thing that I would say that I really wish they would have done is I loved the the first buckshot that Punk countered into the GTS. Um, you know that I I think that should have been the actual finish. So I'm not saying like in that moment, but they should have flipped how he mm. uh, countered because that was such a beautiful the way he basically just transitioned him from the front flip straight into the the fireman's carry into it it was just so smooth rather than kind of like having him spinning him around and then doing something it was just it would have been perfect it would have reminded me like how that uh that jay lethal versus ricky starks match where yeah he was going for the lethal injection and then gets hit with caught with the rochambeau very similar type of feel there um, and so i would say that that for me was like the one spot that i didn't think that they did great there but i thought pacing was good um, it was just a, overall a really a good wrestling match. And CM Punk, yeah. to have been away for seven years, I know he's, you know, what, eight months in now being back, but it's still incredible what he's been able to accomplish in his short time here in AEW. Um, I'm sad to see Hangman's title reign end a little bit prematurely, in my opinion. I really wish that Punk would have won it in a second match, but... Still, um, you know, I think that for me, that was a four star match. Uh, I really wasn't unhappy with the finish. I just um, I just would have I would have rather see see it end with that smoother transition into the GTS and or preferably hangman winning. But um, great job closing a pay-per-view that I think started out very weak. Yeah. yeah. It was cool just to see CM Punk's face after the the one, two, three and the, the belts in his hands. It just looked like pure enjoyment, pure satisfaction coming back to the industry that he left on such bad terms and finally kind of hitting getting back to the mountaintop one more time yeah you know and it's funny because he had an article that came out in on espn i think it was friday or saturday um just about his mindset and state of mind and just kind of where he's been with AEW and how his uh reputation has changed and how much he's given back and how happy he is and i tweeted this the other day but it was like this is the guy that we wanted to see and hoped one day he would find this i don't know lack of better term serenity uh on the infamous colt cabana podcast like he was still in the moment and was talking about how it's okay to be angry and i can be pissed off because i'm figuring it out and i'm working this out in my head and da 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 well it seems like he's got a lot of shit worked out now and he seems like he's in a better place so it's cool to see him win the title um great moment and i don't think hangman's story is done i think obviously in aew they have a champion be a champion for a long period of time and maybe one day he'll get another run at the belt but i don't see it coming anytime soon uh but hangman should be the ace because he's had an amazing run as champion i think he's had the best matches that a champion has had in aew so far maybe not the best matches overall maybe there i don't know other performers have had a better run but i thought his matches as a champion were better than kenny's just my my opinion yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. And I think it'll be interesting to see where they go. I'm assuming I'm assuming Hangman gets a, a rematch here, but who that first true test is for Punk will be really interesting too. 
All right, Sean, what did you have for your match of the night? My match was the uh, triple threat tag match for the, the AEW tag team titles. Unfortunately, Jurassic Express retained. I think that was probably like the worst part of this whole match. It didn't feel long like a lot of matches did kind of in this pay-per-view, and the pacing just kept up the whole time. I feel like everyone got like their own nice little shine. Ricky Starks, the perfect heel, just kind of always basking in the moment once he goes up for the um, walk in the ropes and just gets caught up in the moment. <laughs> Yeah. eats it up in his trunks. It's just so good. Even when um, Christian like pulled him out when he was about to interfere with the FTW championship, he just slams his head into the title and just, it's perfect. It knocks him out. It's not just like, yo, he was taken out of the ring. Um, Jungle Boy, always classic, just doing his thing in a multi-man match and almost even lost for himself when he, uh, what was it, Hobbs or someone like tossed Christian into the, to the ring steps really hard and just went to check him. Nearly lost it. That coaching on the the outside worked pretty well. But overall, Keith Lee just turned out to be, I feel like, yeah. the star of the whole match. And like the show, he was just so over. The crowd was throughout the whole thing so loud for him. He he did some weird thing before he like threw out uh, Swerve out of the ring when they did that jump off the off Keith chest, Lee. Yeah, the yeah, little he's singing. Like, he sang or something. It's so good. Uh, yeah, belly belly to suplex Hobbs out of the ring and then did a tope out an awesome last ride power bomb stomp with swerve swerve so fluid in the ring he looks so cool uh he's over he's cool i can't wait i'm i'm sure you have him lose here because you got to put keith lee on his own soon because the people want it and you got to give it to him yeah i i was thought this match was going to be a little bit snake but having to follow anarchy in the arena um, that's a very tough act to follow just in terms of how everything seemed over in that match. But no, this match did a really good job too. I mean, I, I have to watch it again, um, but I thought it was, you know, another choice of potential match of the night for sure. I loved it as well. I'm very, very, uh, I'm big mad about the fact that uh, Jurassic Express won that though. I thought that was a perfect time to have somebody else take the titles. I said it on the preview show didn't even really care if it was team Taz versus Swerve and our glory, like whichever one won it. I liked both of those options. Um, and it was kind of a little bit deflating to see Jurassic express, get that, get the pin there. But yeah, absolutely loved it. Ricky Starks, like you said, the, uh, the moment of him dancing on the ropes and eating it, uh, that was great. That was great. And, so, and him, him almost stealing, you know, a pin, uh, at one point as well. Like just, I love Starks and him and, him and uh, him, Swerve and Lee, really, I think, are all ready for big solo runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to leave out Hobbs. I don't think Hobbs is is bad, but I think I think Hobbs could actually really benefit from a tag title run. So, sure, hopefully, we get to see this. You know, see either these teams break up and see one of these guys go for that TNT title, or maybe maybe one of them jumps over and faces uh, FTR for those ROH titles. I was going to just say FTR is probably going to be the team that beats Jurassic Express, and maybe that's just that's why it's on them. And this was penciled in, and it was like, okay, let's wait to take, you know, give it to FTR. And um, uh, they celebrate with Punk after the show. Maybe they're going to have an association with him now as well. So I'm guessing yeah. that FTR is, gets the program next, and that would be logical based on the run that they've been on and the goodwill they've generated. But do you have Jurassic Express turn heel there? <laughs> you know, like that would be kind of an odd thing. I mean, I'm sure they can do face for face. They did it with Punk and Hangman, but um, I don't know how that dynamic would play out. All right. My match of the night uh, was the trios match, the House of Black vor- uh, going over 
the death triangle. I love this match. I mean, I couldn't tell you what the fuck happened in it. Just flips and reversals and kicks and amazing athleticism. Uh, you talk about a group of guys that could all wear the TNT title or be challengers for the AEW world title. Not that Punk has it. Any one of these guys could be elevated to do that. But uh, love the match. Thought it was fantastic. The ending, eh, not so much for me. Um, I get that it's a culmination of Julia Hart. But you get, again, the unfortunate thing with Julia Hart is it's Julia Hart. And then you get the lights going out as well. And there's just two things that are just it's the moment's fucking passed. Um, and it took away a little bit from Malachi Black, uh, I think, in a sense that he just didn't dominate the shit out of someone to a win and he had to outsmart him. Uh, but otherwise, besides that finish, um, I mean, I was almost going to five star territory. I didn't go that high. I think I gave this four and a half, but um, I, I thought it was very good. Yeah, AEW needs to learn to like there needs to be a tier like how you know how there's like tiers of contracts with them. They need to have a tier on who gets to have lights out. And then they appear because that Julia Hart getting it there is not, not something I agree with, but uh, I, I want to say, I do think that the one thing that the one spot that was really cool was the moment where um, the entire death triangle was in the ring with just Malachi black. Mm-hmm. And then rather than like running off, he fights them and, you know, is, is, is actually, you know, going to battle against them. Like that's just not something you typically see in wrestling like usually the heel in that moment would um you know try to cower away run away and then they you know grab him by the hair as he's trying to get out of the ring or something like that so that was a cool just seeing malachi be a a true badass there totally Mm -hmm. and he had the nice spot where he hit i think penta with a black mass spinning heel kick and then phoenix with the tries to do the 619 reversal back in the ring and just swoops him with it It perfect perfect he's so good i I would love to see, while Punk has the title, Malachi versus Punk yeah. as one of the Hell yeah. That Hell could yeah. be one of their programs that they do for full gear or something, you know, and that would yeah. be perfectly fine. Love to see that. That's a total, um, not a B-show pay-per-view, but not one of their main tentpole pay-per-views. I would I'd love to see that. I was thinking the same thing as well. Um, okay, cool. Well, let's move into our moments of the week. Alex, what was your moment of the show? Well, moment of the show, excuse me. Yeah, I think it's something that I've been asking for. I feel like every week at this point, and it's uh, Athena debuting alongside uh, Stokely Hathaway debuting. I think both of those, those are two people that while they're not stars to people who are casual fans or or whatnot, I mean, I think Athena could kind of be because she Mm -hmm. was in WWE for a while, but Stokely never really got a whole lot of play in NXT or on uh, WWE television. But those two instantly, Stokely automatically, whoever he's representing, it looks like it's going to be Jade. Um, he instantly adds credibility to that person. And Athena instantly adds credibility to a women's division that's starting to get stronger and stronger as they add more signings. And I think um, just to give a quick shout out to the the women's title match, Thunder Rosa versus um, Serena Deeb, I thought that was a really, really strong mm-hmm. match. But it was one of those matches where... Serena wasn't ever going to win that match. And I think you look a couple of months down the line, having Athena versus Thunder Rosa, that's a really intriguing opportunity. Obviously she debuted facing off with Jade Cargill. So that could mean she's going for the TBS title. I personally am hoping that Chris Statlander takes that uh, off of her. I think that that's clear that that's what they're going to build to there. But 
either way, I think that uh, Stokely, I'm a big fan of managers when they're good. Um, and, and Stokely, Stokely Hathaway is a, is a really good manager. I think, uh, smart Mark Sterling is a very good manager. And even those two, I mean, they're probably both going to be heels most of the time, but I would love to see those two go to battle with, with each other. And I'm excited for it. And I kind of forgot that his, I think he just pretty much, um, didn't renew his contract. So mm-hmm. Yeah, he was able to. He didn't have you know a ninety day non compete clause, so it was kind of a it was a cool surprise because one of the few times I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah, and he was subdued, I think, too, in his presentation. Like sometimes he can be a little over the top, um, and he kept things reined in. And you just you'll be able to see more of his character for folks that haven't watched him before. Uh, he's very very funny and talented, um, but that wasn't the stage for him to be big and broad as well. So you'll get to see more of his personality. He's not just some guy. He's extremely talented, and he's. He's like a young Paul Heyman back like 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 a Paul he, Paulie dangerously in, in, in 1992. He has that kind of vibe. Um, he can play that persona quite well or maybe even like a Jim Cornette, but not in WWE Jim Cornette, like maybe at NWA Jim Cornette. I don't know. I kind of see those comparisons with him. Uh, Sean, what was your moment of the week? Stokely kind of always has like a, a like a fire behind his words. It seems like in yeah, his facial yeah. expression. So yeah, totally, totally. Um, my moment, lighthearted, funny moment that kind of came came right right when we needed it in the first hour of the show. Billy Gunn finding his his acclaimed boys and his ass boys in a after a day in Vegas, just like us. Some mornings come just waking up, just, just fucked up, but. <laughs> The, the ass boys strung out looking like shit and the acclaimed boys looking so beautiful, nice, promptly tosses a little blanket on him off his, uh, his actual son onto um, caster. So good. So good. I love this. Wherever this is going, hopefully it leads to just kind of a breakup and acclaimed get the, the better of it all. I'm sure, but just funny to see the ride. Yeah, I'm absolutely enjoying it. It's goofy. Every segment they do is, is always just a fun little thing. And and I love, I love the way that they're playing it. Like the acclaim don't even seem to care about the ass boys at all. They just like hanging out with Billy Gunn and, uh, and Billy just loves them and doesn't care about his own kids. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, it's goofy and they know it's goofy. So that's okay. Like it's the problem is, is when you're watching wrestling and it's like super, it's like silly, goofy, but they're kind of thinking that it's like actually like really good television. And that's when things turn into like the cringe territory. Mm-hmm. And this is just, I think it's being done so over the top and, and it's, it's perfect. Yeah. And like, who would have thought in 2022 would be Billy Gunn comedic God. Like that just does not, I, you never predicted that, that he'd have the second coming where uh, he's funny as shit and he's this great comic foil or straight man. So I love it. It's this really entertaining segment. And we were talking before the show, um, if I was a teenage boy, I would be so into the claim. Like when I was a kid, <laughs> like that would have been my group. These guys have been my guys. I love the suck a chant when I was a kid to, so to scissor, just throwing That's your fingers. Going, it's probably going around in schools right now. A lot of, uh, a lot of middle school teachers are very upset and concerned and sending letters home to their parents. <laughs> and I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm a Max Caster guy for life. I think that he is somebody oh, yeah. that, and and with how much talent he has from a, a personality perspective, it, he it's the perfect example of it doesn't matter how much he loses. He's just because he's always entertaining and he's not coming out then the next week pretending he's some big giant tough guy. He's just still being the freestyle rapping 
platinum max caster and it's perfect yeah he's got the scott hall thing of like he would say like yeah i don't mind jobbing because i have the microphone and i can get over again like and that's the right mentality to have is like yeah i can talk and i can get back over bobby heenan same way looks like an ass every week vincent is prime he got beat up by austin every single week but he always came back because he could be entertaining and get over by talking so um uh, my moment of the week, we talked about it before, but just CM Punk winning the AEW title. Just fantastic to see. Um, happy to see him have a good resolution again from where he was a couple of years ago to where he is today. Uh, nice nice to see that happen. He was very emotional uh, with the belt, too, and um, had quite a moment. So I don't know. I just uh, love to see it. CM Punk is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So for him to have uh, this beautiful moment was cool to see, and it was nice. And uh, it's why we started this ventures because we uh, decided uh, now's the time with all the great stuff that's going to be happening and CM Punk back. We wanted to get ahead of this and uh, launch the show and the website. And now we'll see what that translates into for business wise, not for us, but just for the business in general, if he's going to come on and uh, do really well numbers and, uh, you know, generate a lot of buzz and press. Hopefully that happens where AEW expands and gets bigger. Yeah, and it, and it's I'm happy that it happened at a time where he looks like he deserves to hold the title, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not Jericho when he had the title, the AEW title. It just what it was necessary. It was I don't a business disagree. Decision. With, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. d- disagree with him having it, but he did not. He wasn't putting on matches that looked great. His, I mean, he his he looks good now. He's lost a lot of weight and gotten in better shape. But that was back when he was. I don't know. His he was drinking uh, potato vodka or something because he was double goose. Not taking it, yeah, he was not taking it easy on the uh, on the on the drinking at the time, so he didn't even look great. And I'm just so happy that Punk not only looks like looks credible, like just from a look, but also from a actual in ring standpoint on the mic, he's just as good as he ever was, and it that makes it feel a little bit better because wrestling is all about nostalgia and they love to put titles on people that are, are, you know, kind of past their prime. So, and in this moment, I'm happy to see punk have the title now. Just a quick little thing. He's the complete opposite of a, a Bill Goldberg title run with WWE. It's just like years different. Yes. That literally came in my mind about like, God, like at least he's not winning the belt in Saudi Arabia and they paid him $5 million to do it. And he doesn't give a shit and he still hates Vince and he's kind of quasi against the fans. And is like, I'm glad that that scenario didn't play out because Mm -hmm. it probably could have at one point. Um, So it's nice to see that that didn't happen. Um, The other thing I've really loved about punk winning the belt though, is he's still held back so much of what he's going to do next. Like, is he going to turn heel hangman alluded to the fact that like, I'm saving AEW from you and I'm defending the title from you. And he hit those points and he's still been a little bit of nice guy punk on the mic. So there's a chance that like we could see him go into the heel persona later on. Um, I don't know yet. So his character is going to change and evolve and it'll be fun to watch. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Let's go into our cringes of the night. Uh, Alex, what was your cringe? Yeah, it was that Young Bucks versus Hardy's match. That yeah, was just boy. that match looked like what I expect Ric Flair's return match to look like. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <sighs> just an absolute shit show. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I saw something that Jeff is still really beat up from the Darby Allen match. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So I, I'm hoping that uh, we get a little bit of a break from them. And, and honestly, I'm hoping that we just don't really see a, a Hardy's run after this. Like that, I, I didn't want one before, but now I'm like actively rooting against it because that was just a train wreck. And that's a match that people have called a dream match. I know we've, I know we've had the Young Bucks versus Hardys, but it was an ROH. Um, and, and the Young Bucks have evolved since then, but the Hardys have devolved. Uh, they, they just, they looked bad. Neither of them can walk. And even the Bucks are clearly beat <laughs> up and it just was, yeah. yeah, it was an ugly match. And it's almost like, not that this would have helped if they're all injured, but they should have made it some sort of a no DQ match. So they could have just done a couple of crazy things, got in, got out instead of it being what it was. Yeah. And it was so long. It just dragged that just, too. like lived in the little beginning spotlight and just like dragged on. And then Jeff does his little weird run through the crowd after the thing, like he was about to run off again and catch a flight. It's just so weird. <laughs> I, I would love for them to, to go away. Like you said, they, this is it's over. Yeah, and like they were stalling to start the match, and and like if if you're if you're stalling because you're hurt, then just fucking go home early. Like I I didn't get the point of them struggling to be out there. Matt's legs, com- like everyone's shitting on Jeff, and rightly so because he just looks terrible and the boot thing and his back and just he looked fatigued, extremely fatigued. But like Matt's legs looked like they were made of jello. Like he just looked so goddamn tired. And it's exactly why Alex, you said it like when, when that rumor came around or when Jeff had his walkout from WWE, it was like, well, we don't want to see it because it's sad to see someone in pain and it's sad to see someone so hurt and he's not going to become a producer agent or coach. He's going to keep jumping off fucking ladders. And this isn't like, (laughs) I think that's going to stop him um, because the wrestling Twitter wrestling Reddit has all been, that was rough to see. And that was an embarrassment and they need to fucking retire. Like people have not been kind about it, even though the audience and the crowd was super into it. I don't know a single or I've read a single person going, well, that was a great match. They look good. Like let's keep watching them. It's like watching Terry Funk in his latter years. Like that's how broken down they truly do look like that was Terry Funk in the 2000s and it's like what the fuck are you doing taking bumps and hitting yourself with the ladder or jumping over shit like it's just you gotta play Allison Chains covers you like doing that Dirt bike. <laughs> go go for it that, that's your thing do it yeah. buddy you'll be happier 100% alright Sean what was your cringe I think we're on the same step um, oh the, yeah the Bleacher Report streaming issues just it half hour in you just we just get kicked off and it seems like the whole internet is just having the same same old problems and it happens almost every single time it's getting bad if you're, if you're going to make the big jump to just go all go all at it with uh your pay-per-views definitely do this hbo max deal sooner rather than later hopefully the discovery warner brothers merger whatever the hell's going on there hopefully something good helps them there because you cannot keep doing Bleacher Report. There's pisses so many people off, and it just kind of took away from and made even worse the first hour of the show where it was just like, oh, well, now we, we got onto this, but what the fuck is this? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, it definitely put the audience in an uphill battle to start the show because they were so agitated with MJF and not knowing what's going on there, and then the Bleacher Report issue. So this show was really struck by some bad karma kind of starting off, but the bleacher report thing. I mean, Hey, if it's, if it's fucking up and if it's having server issues because there's so many people buying and it's getting unexpected traffic, 
sure, that's great news. But the thing is, then is some of those people didn't buy it because they said, fuck this, I can't, I can't order it. I'm just not going to buy it. Um, especially those people that were watching the, you know, Celtics and Heat game, you know, they <laughs> what? <laughs> just stay watching that. Yeah. But don't they show other stuff on this Bleacher Report live, whatever the hell they, mine, they do? Mine is, yeah, and that's what's weird. I've never been able to watch anything on the app besides AEW pay-per-views. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I don't even have the option. And, like, I don't touch it because I'm like, I don't want it to fuck up. Kind of like when Alex said on the remote control and, you know, almost ruined the whole pay-per-view. Almost I didn't broke ruin the podcast up. It was a server problem. It was a server problem. <laughs> I the just amount of panic up. that that caused in my mind, it was like this catastrophe. I, ah! kind of, we were about up to until, match. <laughs> up until the point that we realized that, like, it was a widespread issue, I thought there was a chance you might ask me to go home. <laughs> just him and I would go to the post. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have like, to ask you to leave. <laughs> Alex, I can't I can't look at you right now. I think yeah, I think the only positive that comes out of it is I feel like this has to speed up that timeline for for them to make a move to a better service. Definitely. So uh hopefully hopefully it gave Tony Khan a little bit of the scaries and he's on the phone with uh with Warner and Discovery right now. And I just wanna say, speaking of the Warner and Discovery stuff. The more that I, I feel like Tony has said like three or four times in like different interviews and then on Twitter, he even said it. The more he says I had the best meeting of my life with the executives at Warner and Discovery this mm-hmm. week, and I've never been happier about the uh, outlook of AEW with them, uh, the less I believe it. Uh, it comes off. It's the same. It comes off as like a Trump level, level like, <laughs> oh, I'm the best golfer. I'm the best president golfer in the world. You know, like every, it was a perfect every, call. Every, 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 uh, every golfer tells me that I'm the best one they've ever seen golf. So it's that same level of like, okay, well, clearly that's not actually what you hear. And someone brought this up on Twitter too. And I'm, and I apologize for not giving them credit here, but they mentioned like, why doesn't anyone in these scrums actually ask him a question? Like it's insane to be like, okay, Tony, why was it the best meeting you've ever had with them? That's not like offensive and that's not like going to get your you know, press pass revoked. If we were there, I'd fucking ask him, who'd you meet? Why was it great? (laughs) What do you got planned? How do they see you fitting in? What did they tell you? Just like anything. Yeah. Yeah. Was Guy Fieri insane? Yeah. Was Guy Exactly. (laughs) Did you get to meet the cast of my pimple Dr. Pimple Popper or 600 pound, whatever (laughs) the fuck on those shows that I'm discovering pimple. I think that's what it is. Good God. I can't believe like that doesn't make sense though how that Discovery's merging with Warner Brothers. Like there's like so many like horrible properties and IP and shit on that side, and they have that much money to buy this historic company. I don't know. It's just very I don't don't know the yeah, I don't know the economics of that. But no, that was also annoying that like you don't know anything about why it was a great meeting and going back to the bleacher report thing. Aren't they all under Warner brothers anyways? Like isn't bleacher report part of the same family of companies, corporate bundle. Yeah. They're somewhere in there, but they're like separate for whatever reason. But that, yeah. That's just with our experience working in like gigantic conglomerates. That's something that gets like fixed or like those people get eliminated from running that company and they get set off to another company. Like, that's just, it wouldn't happen persistently like that. Like, you would be, you know, you would get some goofy job and another one of the companies that's not going to harm anything. I don't know. That's just me. Okay, cool. So let's move on because we can, 
you know, talk about corporate synergy, some other show. Uh, let's go into what we're looking forward to in the future. So uh, Alex, excuse me, what are you anticipating, my friend? Boys, it's about to be a hot punk summer and we're going into part two of the summer of punk. I'm excited mm-hmm. for it. Um, really hope that he does have whatever his run includes. I, I hope that this isn't the one that ends up being super short. Like that, that's my one worry is because we've now had some decently long title runs. I think Hangman's is the shortest, I believe potentially, or maybe Jericho's, no, Jericho's was the shortest. Jericho's is still the shortest. Mm-hmm, yeah. think so. And they've set the rule though, that you get a couple of, you know, pay-per-views <laughs> and, and things like that with the title. So eventually that rule will be broken for kind of a surprise moment. Right. And I, I'm hoping that it's not punk in, in this time. I don't think it will be because I think Tony wants to do right by punk. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I think just having him be the, um, having him be the, the person is what, what excites me and him being on the mic every week and, and feuding over the, over the mic with other people. I think it's going to give some other people a chance to shine or kind of be potentially a little bit, uh, exposed for, for their ability to be in front of the crowd. (laughs) I just hope it's a flashback to the summer of 2011 and Sean, your daddy, Kevin, just comes out and, you know, makes a Waffle House joke just, and he just gets thrust <laughs> back in the spotlight. Please, God, please let that happen. Just take him let, out again. Let your papa shine. Papa, papa daddy. Um, yeah, it'd be <laughs> so cool to see uh, a champion, uh, champion punk just in Detroit, June 29th. Good so cool. God. Yeah, that's like almost guaranteed. Like yeah. you'd think he'd be there. Midwest. Fresh off facing Okada, probably. Champ versus champ. Ooh. We'll see. What I'm looking forward to is I'm hoping with the addition of Stokely Hathaway to the, the baddie section, Jade Cargill's little, little squad, I hope you start to see some better ring work out of kind of all of them, really. It's, sometimes things have just been really bad, and if you're going to put such a, a new good investment into the, the group, start uh, start showing out. Don't fuck it up. That's it. Well said. Um, (laughs) No, yeah, I think, uh, you know, and I was going to write this in the article, but uh, Jade with the TBS title, she's kind of like a, in a weird way, like how RVD with the TV title and ECW surpassed the world title. She's really surpassing the women's world championship. I think like that's really kind of the main belt right now. Um, or at least that's where the spotlight goes, or certainly that's where the response goes. So we'll see where her run uh, ends up there. But I'm excited for uh, more information coming about the Forbidden Door. I anticipated that we'd hear just a little coin drop, and we got nothing really at all. The only thing that we've had so far is Great Ocon um, and Jeff Cobb coming into the tag match, but we haven't seen anything uh, during the AEW pay-per-view, which it worked to not have them on there, you know, to a certain extent, but they're going to really have to step on the pedal tomorrow night. Um, I'm, I'm assuming people have to be there and debut because it just doesn't uh, behoove them to delay that any longer. You do want to get interest generating because not everyone knows the new Japan stars and you have to get them over to make people want to see the show uh, with the show being in Los Angeles. That's where NJPW strong is based out of. So you're going to see, I think a lot of guys show up. I'm assuming Jay White's going to be there Wednesday. I mean, that just seems like a no brainer. Yeah. And you forgot to mention that uh, great Ocon also did some scouting for the baddies section based on those photos. <laughs> he should be him. in the fucking baddies. <laughs> did section. he ever? Did he ever? <laughs> uh, oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. You, you, I was just going to say, as far as, 
kind of the Forbidden Door you know, pay-per-view, I think that it's been interesting that we haven't seen anything else come up from it. Like it's, it's cool that they sold it out without announcing a match, but like I don't want them to just rest on that because ultimately you also have to do pay-per-view buys and are we going to buy it? Absolutely. But getting the, the bigger, the larger interest, especially after I think that this was their weakest pay-per-view that they put on double or nothing for me. Um, Except maybe the first full gear. Yeah, uh, it's down there for sure. But it wasn't bad. Like, it wasn't bad. By no, no, it just no, was that, long. That doesn't mean it was bad. Yeah. But I'm just saying in terms of it, it's it doesn't have the same momentum it broke the that they strength, had. Yes, that they've had yeah. for the past three pay-per-views. <laughs> and to have the momentum of like, imagine having the same momentum that you had coming out of an all out this yeah. past year. And then four weeks later, you're asking people to spend $50 again on Forbidden Door. I think you have a lot more, you know, excitement there. And like I said, we're we're the type of fan that we're going to be buying it no matter what. But there are people that <laughs> make their decision based off of what the card looks like and what the what you know what the excitement is of the builds. And I think that it's a little bit of a a little bit of a problem to have only kind of hinted at basically one feud that might happen, and and that's with Great Ocon and um, Jeff Cobb coming in in that tag match. So I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful that we see a bit of a sprint this week, uh, and I think this week's rampage is live. Am I correct on that? Do you guys know? I believe you're right. So that does give us two shows where they can have, you know, kind of more surprisey moves done. Whereas in, if rampage was taped, then everyone already kind of knows, like, oh, Jay White did this. So totally, that is that is good that they have two shots at that. And two, I think. New Japan's kind of coming to the end of the the Battle of the Super Juniors, Juniors tournament, so I think maybe we'll see some people traveling back and forth across Japan and the U.S. just without worries of fucking up the tournament for them. So hopefully we will get those those run-ins coming in the coming weeks. Yeah, and one last thing about the length of the show. Um, I don't mind it per se. Like it doesn't like I, I'll watch five hours of wrestling. I don't give a fuck. I'd rather watch that than three hours if it's good. But um, with now you have a whole nother company added on, it's just going to be difficult to include everyone on the roster. And it's a good organic time to retrain the fans that like, okay, there's only going to be, um, you know, 20 people on AEW's roster that's going to be participating on this show or 15 people or whatever it is. And you only have a couple, you don't have as many matches. Um, I think that's going to be harder to do though. Uh, they'll be tempted to do 12 matches again or 11 matches again. I mean, it's going to be difficult, I would assume, but hopefully they do that because they're going to have a lot of timing issues. Yeah. I, I personally, like as much as I, I love watching all the wrestling, it's, it's draining. And I think, I think Vegas actually did a pretty good job of staying into the matches. Oh, they did a great job. Yeah. And they, and especially like, I think that that anarchy in the arena match really woke everybody up because they had to, they had to be on, on the lookout for flying blood. But uh, that I think that I personally would rather see a shorter show. Like Sean and I put on SummerSlam from like 2001 after um, after the show was over. I fell asleep in the middle of the first entrances. But uh, regardless, I was looking at it and it was like those pay-per-views were like two hours and 50 minutes. And that that's perfect. I think that that's enough. But also I understand the idea that we only get four big ones yeah. a year. And now we have Forbidden Door. 
Um, but if you start making those Battle of the Belt shows actually something good rather than it being just forgotten about and you do some other things, once ROH gets on television, I think you can do a lot more with this same roster. You don't need to really sign a whole lot of people to fill out that roster for ROH. You can pretty much do it with your AEW kind of lower card, mid card, get a couple of signings. And then that even opens you up for when there are big people who leave WWE, someone like a Cesaro, like all of a sudden it doesn't feel like they're coming into an already crowded, packed roster. Well, they signed um, Andrade's uh, friend. uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Roosh. Roosh. Which is funny because we talk about MJF, you know, and his uh, potential strong arming Tony Khan. Roosh did the same thing to ROH when he lost the title. He like basically was very strict on how he would do it, who he would do it to, and then basically kind of ruined the moment for Bandito. So kind of interesting that uh, that Tony Khan ended up signing him. Yeah, and there was also a report that came out too this week about how guys are like, well, you know, maybe WWE isn't such a bad destination and maybe I could see myself signing there based on all the great things they're doing with Cody right now, which, you know, we'll wait and see. But mm-hmm. that's only inevitable too, that like AEW stops being this utopia and it stops being this wrestler's paradise because every company is still a company and it's still a business and it's still the wrestling business. There's going to be difficult things about it. So um, not to say that like, hey, you know, they're treating people poorly or anything like that or make speculation, but if, like invariably there's going to be uh, struggles with timing and who gets focused and who gets featured and who doesn't and who gets opportunities to shine and doesn't get opportunities to shine. So those are the growing pains of, uh, you know, running the company in its current iteration. Uh, and Sean just posted in our chat. So PW insider just posted something about MJF being flown to LA. So MJF, uh, drama continues. We'll see how this plays out. Um, hopefully him and Tony Khan do have like a shoot, discussion where they hash it out and are happy again or just they have a clean break whatever it is there's a resolution so that's what we're looking forward to um as well so all right well that's going to do it for this week's episode please remember to subscribe to the show on itunes or spotify give us a five-star review share the show with your friends in the wrestling community and visit wrestlingelitist.com where we post our articles and match reviews and then also you can follow us at our uh, wrestling latest podcast on instagram and twitter handles respectively all right rick rude take us away hit the music